welcome to She Podcast, the podcast about podcasting and 800 million other things from the women's point of view, of course. I am your host, Elsie Escobar, and my co-host and BFF, Jessica Kupferman, is on vacation, if you can believe that. And I'm feeling a little bit sad. But alas, she is having a great time on the beach, and you will hear all about it in our next episode. But in lieu of not having a show this week, we wanted to share with you the amazing session that started our She Podcast mini-con over at the PodFest Global Summit. This session is one that rose from the need that we saw within our podcasting groups and communities on Facebook, particularly in light of the murder of George Floyd. We partnered with Libsyn and Women of Color Podcasters and created this mini workshop called Creating Anti-Racist Podcast Spaces 101. It was truly a collaborative process that involved founder of the Walk Podcasters Community or the Women of Color Podcasters Community, Danielle Desir, and managing editor, Madeline Wright as well as Tangia Renee from The Skin You're In and That's What She Did podcasts, whose leadership on this has been and continues to be invaluable. Thank you to these women. They are truly phenomenal forces. As a note, the audio is not the best that it can be as it was recorded on my computer. So there are times when the audio drops a bit here and there. Here's to hoping that's not a deal breaker for you. This session was only one of so many insanely informative and useful sessions over at the PodFest Global Summit. I guarantee that if you purchase the sessions, you will get a full-on podcasting PhD. Seriously, tap through our show notes, okay, because it's in the show notes for a special link to get all of the sessions at your disposal. Before we get on with the show, though, I want to shout out our amazing sponsors that have been instrumental in helping Jess and I step up the development of the She Podcast Super Squad, the new She Podcast Super Squad, because without their support, uh, we'd not be as far as we are along now. Thank you, Swellcasts, where you can create quick companion clips for each episode or offer independent bonus content, which is awesome. Anyone can listen to and reply to your posts with audio on their own. So you can instantly create conversations that make listeners feel heard and appreciated. With a community of voices, you'll build loyalty that lasts. Head over to download the app over at shepodcasts.com slash swell and the awesome team over at Produce Your Podcast. Oh my goodness. I mean, they have been amazing at helping us with our newsletter and show notes and graphics. Oh my gosh. They are brilliantly professional. Love them so much. So go over to produceyourpodcast.com and set up a free 30-minute call with Tracy to answer any of your podcasting questions. And of course, you have to tell her that she podcast sent you. Okay? Are you ready? Now, here we go on with the show. So this session is called Creating Anti-Racist podcast spaces 101. And just so you know, people in our group have been asking for this over and over and over again. So we are really excited that we're getting the chance to talk about it today. 
it's way overdue, but you know, having your own webinar after you just cancel an event and you know, we're trying to do all the things. So we're really grateful to be part of PodFest and to present this material. It's really important to us and it's unique and we're super excited. So you guys all know Elsie, so I don't want to introduce her, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> sorry. Elsie Escobar is my business partner in crime. She has worked for Libsyn for a bazillion years. She is a podcasting pundit. She is an activist. She is a stay-at-home, homeschooling, crazy, mountain-dwelling, goat-loving mom. (laughs) And I love everything about her. And then we've got Madeline, who created her platform and podcast, A Mad Vox, for creative ambitionists that were looking to reach their writing goals. She's also the managing editor for Women of Color Podcasters, which is an exclusive, inclusive community dedicated to improving the representation and inclusion of women in color in all aspects of the podcasting industry. So she is the perfect person to um, help us through this conversation. And then Tangia. Tangia is a storyteller, coach, and business consultant. And she's been featured in a bazillion places such as USA Today, Bustle, which I love, The Identity of She Magazine, and she focuses her time in helping busy and stressed women ditch overwhelm to create better health, more happiness, and finally heal their relationship with food and their bodies. Sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) She is the creator of the wellness podcast, The Skin You're In, and USA Today recognized podcast, That's What She Did, a show that curates the stories of brilliant Women, thank you ladies so much for being here today. Um, I will let y'all take it away. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. That was great. And thank you for the the little news you can segment. I love that. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm just going to pull up our presentation here so that we can, Mm -hmm. everyone can see where we are. This worked out well because I was going to say, I don't know if I can like create it so that everyone's looking at the screen, but luckily I have to do nothing. So hi. Hi. Okay. Welcome everyone to Creating Anti-Racist Podcast Spaces 101. Thank you so much for signing up and joining us here today. We have a short amount of time, so we are going to do our best to try to pack a lot of really useful, actionable information into this time and still reserve some space at the end for questions. Just know if you don't get your question asked today, don't worry. You're welcome to contact me directly. I have a PDF takeaway for you that we put together that has our contact information on it and some useful places for you to continue your learning and help you in taking action and moving forward. I'm good. Good, good, good. Here we are again. We've already been introduced. Hello. Nice to meet you. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Uh, honorable mention for danielle this year so danielle is the founder of w uh, women of color podcasters network she's also hosts the thought card podcast uh she helped with this entire process and putting this together unfortunately she couldn't make it today so honorable mention danielle is here in spirit yes okay so let's kick us off about what we're going to talk about and this is how you're going to know you're in the right space So you're in the right place if you're ready to authentically, like from the heart, shift or start creating anti-racist content immediately. We understand that this is a tough topic to take on, that there's a lot of discomfort with it. It's okay. Discomfort's your friend. Please know that this is a journey. Today, we're here to help you learn how to start to systematize inclusivity into your podcast and the content that you're creating across all platforms. 
please, if you're willing to be here, know that you're going to have to be willing to step out of your comfort zone. We understand that it's uncomfortable. We're here to help sort of guide you through that. Be prepared to make mistakes and learn. If you are cool with that, you are in the right place. And again, understand that this is a journey. It's not a destination. There are no easy answers. There are no quick fixes. What we're trying to be here to do today is to help you get started on that journey, answer some questions that you might have, and just support you along the way. So if you're still with us, thank you. We appreciate you being here. No hard feelings if you're ready to opt out. That's your choice. Um, But if you're not with us, that's okay. You can uh, sign off now. But if you're still here, things you should know, this is not a box checking expedition. We're not here to tell you the right things to say and do so that you can check the box and, and bam, done. This is a journey. I can't emphasize that enough. This does take time and commitment. There are no quick fixes here. So if you're ready to start shifting your content, if you're ready to start trying new things and you're ready to learn through this process, it will take commitment from you. It will take time. It's not going to be done by the end of this conference. Our hope here is that we're going to help you aim for sustainable and authentic change. It's going to, everybody has a different starting point. It's going to look different for everybody but hopefully we're all arriving at a place with our work that is equitable, that is inclusive, and that it feels good for for all of us on some level. And a quick reminder, I can't emphasize this enough either, discomfort is your friend. It means that you're growing. It means that you're trying. And if you're making mistakes, it means the same thing. So just stay with it. Um, So before we really jump into the content, we want to bring your attention to some of Um, some women specifically who are excellent people for you to know and to follow and learn from. Some of them are in the podcasting space currently. Others are um, more in the equity inclusion world. But these are all women right here that have a lot to say on this topic. They know a lot about this topic. They're doing the work every single day. And we do call on many of them and their wisdom in this presentation. And so take down their handles, start following them, start learning from them, have them on your show if it's appropriate. So a quick background on how we got to where we are right now is, um, you know, the protests started happening. There started to be this reckoning around racial justice in America. And one thing, I'm a member of the Women of Color Podcasters Network. I also um, am part of the She Podcast group on Facebook. And one thing I noticed as a podcaster myself is that it felt like um, myself as a woman of color and other podcasters that I know, like me, were struggling with the words to say and wanting to be publicly in solidarity with the protests and, and pushing a more equitable country and not really finding the right thing to say and wanting to use the podcast platform to say that thing. Um, so I reached out to Danielle initially and then later to Elsie and we talked about what is a statement that we could put together for um, specifically the Women of Color Podcasters Network that might help them stand in solidarity. So we decided to put together a statement, wrote it out, agreed on it, delivered it to the Women of Color um, Podcasters Network. It ended up being called um, podcasters for justice. And it was a statement that anybody that chose to could take to their podcast, put it on that platform, and just be clear about where they stood on this particular issue of um, racial justice. So that was the first iteration of it. And then um, that got shared out and it sort of got bigger. And there was 
comments coming back saying sort of like, what's next? Or what do we do with this information? This isn't enough. So we came back together and decided that we were going to put together some kind of a workshop to make sure there were actionable things that everybody could take away. So that's how we ended up here today. Before we talk more specifically on that, it's really important that we each acknowledge our privilege in being able to have this conversation. I love this quote. I don't know, I couldn't find who the original author of this quote was, but it's a privilege to educate yourself about racism instead of experiencing it. Um, So if you get to educate yourself about it, it's a privilege that you've never had to be in a place that you don't experience this. And this goes for people of color as well, for non-Black people of color. People who look like me, who I am a woman of color, my skin isn't black. And so I experience a big level of privilege where people assume I'm not black. So they are kinder to me sometimes. I am aware, I have experienced in real time, a level of privilege that other people who have darker skin than me have not. I know that my skin color has opened doors for me that it hasn't opened for other women, for black women specifically. I have to acknowledge my privilege. I feel I have a responsibility to be honest about that. And we all have it. So let's just be honest and not hide from it. All right. Now we really want to start to jump into the nitty gritty. So one of the conversations we had early on, Elsie, you're going to take us away, is about why should we be working on building podcasts and other content that is specifically anti-racist? And there's a lot of reasons for that. But Elsie, why don't you kick us off? You have a great story about this. Yeah, I don't know if you guys know or you people, because I'm trying to change the word guys, (laughs) you know about being able to, (laughs) uh, the convert kit story. And it came back to me as I was doing some more studying. Rachel Rogers had a town hall and in it, uh, she is a business leader in that really powerful and super smart business leader. And she had a town hall where she addressed a lot of the same types of conversation we're having at this moment. And in it, she had Nathan Berry from ConvertKit. And there was this this whole to-do thing that happened a while ago, years back. In fact, that's the link. If you you want to go check it out at convertkit.com slash staying dash convertkit where they had chosen to change their name, where they were going to rebrand and change their name to Seva. And at that time, there were a lot of the community, particularly the communities of color, people that were of Asian descent and anything that had to do with people who actually knew what Seva was, started to convey to ConvertKit that this, there was a, this was a very questionable choice of name because it was meaningful to a lot of other cultures. And it so brought up a lot of the, the, the question of cultural appropriation and things like that. And in the process of them listening to this conversation, ConvertKit made a choice, a really powerful choice to listen to their community and not change their name. And as sometimes we often think that when we make or we change our minds when we make a mistake because they didn't really know this. And in fact, they didn't mean to do it, which is something that we hear a lot from communities. I didn't mean to hurt you. I didn't mean to say that. My intention was not to cause harm. But unfortunately, one of the key teachings in any kind of anti-racist in uh, any kind of education is that sometimes intention does not Uh, equal impact. And so the impact that we have with our communities is that they are hurtful and that this actually really was not okay. 
they took a step back and you can read everything that they wrote in that on that link. And in the process, of course, it was scary for the company because we're talking about our own personal brands here and making really powerful statements. And what you can hear inside of the Rachel Rogers Town Hall is that ConvertKit is actually doing very, very well. In fact, their business went up so much more after they changed back their name and acknowledged their company because their stances were so strong, so valuable, and they resonated far above the resistance that they were getting, right? So they started making a choice that wasn't so good. And then all of a sudden, their business has actually grown from making choices that were hard. Thank you. So that's one reason why you really want to think about why we should, why we should just should be doing this work and building anti-racist content and podcast spaces. I would also assume that if you're here with us today, that you value inclusivity, you value a world that is anti-racist. And I personally believe that your content is better when it is in line with your value system. And if you're not doing that currently, then you may be leaving a huge piece of your audience and a, a huge opportunity for growth off the table simply because you're not fully aligning with your values. So something to think about there. So why inclusive communities matter? So both She Podcasts and Women of Color Podcasters Group have done a really good job of addressing inclusivity. So I'm going to give the microphone back to them and we'll go from there. Elsie, why don't you kick us off with how She Podcasts is uh, working to address inclusivity and then Madeline, let's talk about how Women of Color Podcasters is doing this from a different angle. She Podcast came to be simply because that we needed a place that was not what was existing at the moment. We needed a place that we felt that we could feel safe and we could talk about the things that um, we felt in all the larger groups they weren't being talked about. Jessica actually started the group herself first because she always does things really quickly and fast and amazingly. And so she started this group called like Women in Podcasting. I think that's what it was called. And then I came into it because I thought, brilliant idea. I've been wanting to do this, but I never make a choice. But the reason that we created that is because we wanted to feel that we were in a safe space. In doing so, the community itself felt like, oh my God, we are home. And being in a place where we are inclusive to ourselves, to being able to voice and feel safe, it actually empowers the entire community to speak up even more. So it's really about, not necessarily about being dismissive of anything that's around us, but it's actually about cultivating our own selves and being able to grow and feel safe and heard and expanded upon by being in a group where people can hear ourselves. But even within She Podcast, I'm going to send it over to Madeline because even though we are there for all women and now we are expanding to non-binary in a way that we feel is just as important, uh, Madeline has the Women of Color podcasters and she's been a part of that and why she feels this also is an important place to have as well. Yeah, thank you, Elsie. So, you know, as podcasters, you're literally alone when you're doing your your podcast. And so there's a stat floating out here that 22% of podcasters are women, right? And a, a much, much smaller percentage of that are women of color. And so with that feeling of aloneness, you know, there's this need to form a network and sort of help each other grow. 
uh, Spotify SoundUp had this program in 2018 where they were making a call to develop podcasters and help them grow, but they're specifically looking for underrepresented voices. That year, they were trying to develop, I believe, 10 podcasters, 18,000 applied. So we are out there. (laughs) That's a definite show of, yes, we're here. We're looking to jump into podcasting. We're looking to network with each other and grow our skills and grow our our voices uh, and our audiences. And so Danielle this year decided to start something that connected all of those podcasters so that we could help each other on a peer level. And we want to provide high value connections. We're going to provide resources and opportunities to uh, find sponsorship to monetize, and also just kind of help each other learn to share their voice and reach the audience that they're seeking. So we have Women of Color Podcasters. That's a website. It's a Facebook group. It's a uh, the Patreon page, and we also have a membership. So we're excited to help build that. And right now we have over um, 3,300 uh, women across the world who are podcasting. Right. And I think it's also important to point out that both for She Podcasts um, and Women of Color Podcasters, it's still a welcoming community for people who don't identify in that way. So um, somebody who is male or not a person of color can still engage with she podcasts or women of color podcasters um, in a number of different ways. So they have found ways to yes, create a, a safe community for people that identify as a certain way, but to Elsie's previous point, not to the exclusion of everyone else. And I just want to add a little bit something on the bottom right of that slide is really a lesson for all of us as leaders in spaces where we cultivate uh, conversation, community, expansion, camaraderie, safety. We often are asked to do more and also to serve the community in new ways. At the beginning, She Podcast did start as a, like women podcasters, right? That's where we began. Jess and I started She Podcast, and that was the name of our show, that because we are both She, and I thought, oh my God, that's such a cool name, She Podcasts. But as the community started to grow, we started to see the need to also be inclusive of non-binary. And we often get the question saying like, well, it's She Podcast. Well, She Podcast is Jess and I. We are She. (laughs) The group itself is called She Podcast, but we are inclusive and recognize the need for also supporting non-binary within that context. It doesn't necessarily mean that we are anti-women or that it's not a beautiful or like there's something wrong with not being letting anybody else in there. It really is about recognizing that when we first started, it was the space that we created was because we didn't want the other spaces. We didn't feel that there was a need in that. Our community, I feel, has been incredibly supported by, non, by non-binary um, participants in our group. They, have, they offer so much value, and I feel that they also have a lot of the needs that we as women also have to have a space that's in this different place. So we have stepped up and expanded that meaning. That said, that little square at the bottom there um, was actually a little bit of resistance that somebody also had for me when I actually wrote that I was going to be creating a mentorship exclusive for women of color. And I said, we, as in like me, because I am a white presenting woman of color. I am obviously non-black person of color, but I present very, very white. My eyes are very light. I have, you know, if you look at me, you would kind of think that maybe 
I don't know, maybe she's a little exotic, as you know, Tangia. That's a great way that we are often described. <laughs> don't ever call me exotic. <laughs> I know. And so, <laughs> and so in recognizing the privilege is that I'm able to live my life with this exotic label, but I am never having to encounter dealing with the color of my skin as a non-Black person. So I am inside all of these things. I'm an immigrant from El Salvador. I've experienced um, racism and colorism and all of these other things that happened with people of color, but I don't leave with it and nor do I have to. If I want to hide, I can actually have. That's a hide. That's a huge privilege. So when I came out to present this course that was aimed at women of color, it was kind of a little like shocking to people who didn't really know me fully because I don't lead with it. And that's, that's something that I had to look at for myself, that type of privilege that allows me to step back and not have to address it, to have to look at the way that I step into the world and how, in, uh, in truth, how can I really bring something to the table to serve women of color since I don't really lead with it? So that was a really huge learning opportunity for me. And I found that being inclusive and allowing challenging conversations within groups are incredibly important for growth, not especially as a leader. Exactly. Love it. Again, this is challenging and it's nuanced. And especially if you're, you're new to this, welcome, but you're going to make mistakes. And even when you've been doing it for a while, there's a constant process of learning to check your own privilege of the things that you don't have to look at. And when you build a community and they're willing to push back on you, that means that they care. It means that they're, they're trying to engage with you on a deeper level. We're going to talk through how to try to do that well and not unintentionally shut that down. But I think that's a, a great story. So thank you for sharing that, Elsie. So key terms are important because we're going to be using these terms throughout the rest of our time together today. You might know these, but it's important to put them here. Ally is kind of that basic level of you understand that people are being oppressed and you want to do something about it. Inclusion is another level, that sort of next level of that, of understanding that there is some actual work that you need to do to recognize other people, to invite them into your podcast space, to engage with them, and to be able to sustain relationships with them. You have to value them, respect their talents, beliefs, backgrounds in order for you to be inclusive of them. Intersectionality is that next level. That's the interconnected nature and understanding how all of these things of race, class, and gender work together for individuals and groups of people. And um, it's a system of discrimination or disadvantage that brings us to a place where we even need to address what it means to be anti-racist and having anti-racist society. The next thing, and we're going to use this word well, is accomplice. So this is like, ally is like beginning level. Accomplice is like, you're in it. You're not just doing the work on yourself of learning this and trying to do better, but you're actually getting into the pot with the, with the people that you say that you want to be allies with and helping move that ball forward. You're picking up that ball and you're running with it yourself. Ideally, we would all be accomplices for each other. But again, everybody has a different starting point and hopefully we can all get there. All right. 
A lot of the work today um, is taken from this framework, Eight Steps for Becoming an Accomplice by Giselle Buchanan, Buchanan, who is, she's an artist, activist, um, and teacher. She works with a lot of universities across the United States on equity and inclusion work. And she laid out these, these eight steps um, on what it looks like to be an accomplice. So accepting being wrong, like understanding that you don't know everything and that you're going to make mistakes, embracing the discomfort. This is uncomfortable. This is hard. It's going to take time. Taking the initiative. So that's taking responsibility for your own education, taking responsibility for the the things that you need to learn and starting to put them in action, spending intentionally. So not just saying that you're doing this, but, you know, money involves power. And so if you have the means to spend your money with a underrepresented or disadvantaged group, that can go a really long way. Number five, destroying myths. So this really speaks to us being in our daily lives and seeing and hearing people around us engaging with topics or saying things that just aren't true. I do this all the time with my own family and friends sometimes because Again, I'm a woman of color. I'm ethnically ambiguous. I'm black and I'm Latina. So my race is black. My skin is not. And it makes me, when people look at me and they don't know me, they assume all kinds of things. And it would shock you the deeply racist and ugly things that I have heard from my own community say about black people. And I have a responsibility, I believe, to destroy the myths that I hear coming out of their mouth. It's a lot of work. Sometimes it's exhausting. It pisses me off, quite frankly. But I'm in a position that I get to hear those things because of the color of my skin. There are things that would not be said if there were a Black presenting person in the room. And so since I'm there, I'm going to do what I can do to break down those myths and and call that out. Number six is using your privilege. So for me, that's that's one way that it looks like for me to use my privilege to create more anti-racism. Um, approaches around me. There's all kinds of ways that you can do it. You can do it with money. We're going to break some of these things down um, coming up, but it's using your privilege to be an accomplice, to get into the work and not just observe it. Amplifying, this is something that you can do with a podcast, right? You can bring those people to the table who are historically oppressed or have never been a part of your space And be intentional about amplifying their work, amplifying their voices, amplifying the value that they have to bring um, to the table and challenging your audience, if you've never done that before, to open up to them and hear them out. And number eight, listen. Just hear what somebody who is experiencing this has to live with and really try your best to hear them and not justify or explain away listening goes so far. Um, Madeline, Elsie, did I leave anything out there? Anything you would add? No, I think you, you covered it. Okay, great, great, great. All right. So as we start to get into this, I saw this um, by historian author Blair Imani. I think this is such a great quote for the conversation we're trying to have today. And uh, this comes up a lot when I am speaking in other podcast spaces around fear. We're going to get into the fear of doing this work with your podcast. And this is such a good response to when somebody is saying, well, I don't know how to do this. Like, I really can't. Um, It's hard, whatever might come up for you. And I think it's so true to be able to ask yourself that if you're losing followers to your podcast because you're speaking up about injustice and it's important to you, 
then you have to ask yourself why you've been making content that made racists feel comfortable in the first place. I think this is a huge challenge for all of us to really look at the content we're creating and ask ourselves, why is it comfortable for somebody who is the opposite of our own value system? And what can we do about that? Okay, so let's get into the practice of it, what it actually looks like. So again, allyship is, it's not an identity, it's not a checklist, it's a decision that you have to make and a practice that you have to engage in over and over and over again. So you have to start with yourself, looking at yourself, what are your own values? Why does this matter to you? Because if you're coming to it because you feel pressured and you got to check a box so that you look a certain way, then that's not allyship and it certainly isn't being an accomplice. So start with yourself and then you look at your content. You really need to examine how you're thinking about it, interacting with this topic and showing up for people of color in your life, in, your, in how you live your life and in the content that you're creating. Again, this is a learning process and you have to take responsibility for your own education. This is part of that. That's why we appreciate that, that so many people, there's 90 participants or something in here today that showed up for this workshop because it is an action, right? Being an ally and becoming an accomplice is an action. And so you showed up today to take responsibility for that. And we appreciate that. You're listening. Thank you for doing that. Listening equals learning. Keep that in mind. And again, owning your mistakes. Just like Elsie pointed out, she made a mistake. She owned it. Nobody is perfect. Nobody is going to do this correctly all the time. You're going to make mistakes. But when you find out that you've made a mistake, you have to listen and you have to own it. Understand that it's about the impact of the mistake, not the intent. So as a quick example, if you're standing on one side of the door and I walk through the door and open that door and I accidentally open that door into your nose and I break your nose, I broke your nose. I can apologize and I should apologize and say, I'm sorry that I broke your nose. I didn't mean to. But if your nose is the nose that got broken, do you care that I didn't mean to? No, you only care that your nose is now broken. So it's about the actual impact, not the intent. I would assume that most people are not making these mistakes on purpose. I would assume that you didn't intend to do that. It just happened and it happens sometimes. But when you have an opportunity to learn, you learn and you do better next time. Accepting the challenge. Again, this is hard. Here are four steps. These are ongoing actions that you do in your work, in your podcasting, creating your content in a way that's going to be inclusive. So it's amplifying. Using your podcast, your blog, whatever your content is to amplify Black, Indigenous, people of color stories. Have them as guests on your shows. We're going to have a whole other chat in a minute about not tokenizing them but you can start by using your space, whatever that looks like to amplify. Partnering. So hiring um, Black, Indigenous, or people of color to support you. So who are the contractors you're working with? It's really opening up your organization, your business, your podcast, and seeing what are all of the different ways that I can be connecting um, to Black, Indigenous, or people of color to create a more anti-racist space. Well, you, you need to kind of be in that space with them. You, you got to be working shoulder to shoulder with them. So looking at the contractors, who's editing with you? Who are you working with? Who are you having on your show? Who are your advertisers? All of those things start to move the ball forward. Same thing for sponsorship. Again, who are you advertising with? Um, what are their values? Do they align with an anti-racist approach? 
Um, are they creating spaces that are comfortable for racists? If they are, and that doesn't align with you, which I assume it doesn't because you're here, then maybe you need to think about shifting those relationships and finding somebody else. Um, speaking up, busting myths, just as we talked about, when you hear racism or see it happening around you, silence indicates to the person that's doing that, that it's acceptable, that it's okay. So finding a way for you to speak up, including in, in spaces like this, right? This workshop wouldn't have existed if she podcasts and women of color podcasters network, and I hadn't come together and said, well, let's do a workshop at PodFest because we want to be able to have this conversation. And so it was taking the onus on ourselves and saying, we're going to do this um, because we want to make sure that this space in this industry, we're doing what we can do to make it as inclusive as possible. All right. So here's, we're going to start getting into fear. So one thing that we, the three of us here have heard often is when we're having this conversation is there's this fear. If if you haven't engaged with this before, if you haven't been intentionally anti-racist, What is that going to do to your show? Are you going to start alienating people? And so a quick reminder about allyship being an authentic thing versus performative, doing something performative in nature. That's when you're trying to check a box, when you're posting a black box on your Instagram, because it's what everybody else is doing. And it isn't, it isn't intentional. It wasn't thoughtful. Madeline is going to walk us through some, a couple of examples of how this has played out recently when someone is being performative and not authentic. Yeah, so we can, we can pretty much see the statement here in the first panel here from uh, the NFL. And obviously, this comes as uh, it rings hollow just in light of all of the, uh, the treatment and the uh, response in the months previous and the years previous. And then obviously, um, people who are not necessarily familiar or not understanding of uh, blackface uh, are not showing support in the in the way that it sh- should be uh, demonstrated. This is obviously the opposite of the effect that they're hoping to have. Um, we just need to educate people to, uh, I guess, be a little bit more. Uh, willing to listen, willing to understand rather than being so quick to jump on ways that they can get in front of the message and show uh, that they're the ones that are doing this action to support, you know, to take a step back, listen to the people who are, who are talking, who are affected and really internalize that, put them to the forefront, listen to them, learn from them. Exactly. Again, it's, it's about the impacts, not the intent. I'm sure they intended this to be right. nature. <laughs> the impact of it wasn't that at all. Um, so really thinking about that. All right. So let's talk about how you audit your show to make it more inclusive. So we've talked a little bit about this, but again, what does it look like? Let's start with social media. Visuals matter. So that previous slide, that was, those were screen grabs taken directly from social media. Um, What people see in your content on your feeds is signaling to them what you think and believe and feel about the world and by extension, them. So if I look at your content, I go to your blog, I go to your website, I look at your social media, and I only see people who are not at all like me, then I assume that it's not for me. Because what else do I have to judge on? 
visuals do matter. So do a social media audit, asking yourself, who is my content actually welcoming to? If you were a stranger and you came to your own feed and you looked at it, would it be comp- would it be welcoming or complimentary to somebody who doesn't look like you? Ask yourself that question. So again, looking at your guest list, who do you typically have on your show if you have that kind of show? If you're a, a, like an audio fiction storytelling podcast, who are the people that you're usually choosing to voice your characters? Um, is it an inclusive group? Do, are the voices themselves welcoming and inclusive to people who maybe don't look like you? It's about really thinking thoughtfully about how you are crafting your content. So there's your audience that you need to look at as well. Does Look at your audience. Go to your followers and, and just do a quick glance. Is this a group where everybody looks the same? If they are, ask yourself why. And what might you be signaling to a larger audience when things look that way, when things look very homogenous? Again, your back-end support, we touched on that. Like, you know, racism is a system. So if you want to be anti-racist, you have to have systems in place for yourself that are anti-racist. So looking at your support, who are you contracting with? Who are you advertising with? All of those things. Um, And what's your topic? So while your audience is showing up for the topic first and foremost a lot of the time, or they're showing it because they like you as the host, are, is your topic actually inclusive to the amount of people that might be interested in it that are different than you in some way? And you might be saying, but I'm a niche. I have a niche podcast and this is my niche and this is who they are. And okay, you have a niche podcast, but we're going to push back on that for a second here. Um, because no one is a monolith. <laughs> and I love these photos. We like went out again onto the internet and found some really cool photos. Um, because there's, I, I wanted, we wanted to do the example of nerd culture, right? So there's lots of podcasts out there that are in nerd culture. It could be like a Trekkie thing or like a Marvel Comics thing or I don't know, a math thing. I don't know. Um, a gamer thing. And when you come to that niche, maybe you're in that niche because you are also engaging with that thing. So you think that most of the people that like it are like you as well, but no one is a monolith. There are black nerds. There are women nerds. There are Korean nerds. There are people across all different walks of life that are interested in your nerd culture thing too, but you have to see them. You have to see them first before you can start creating in a way that invites them in and it, and makes it safe for them to engage with you. You know, you can be a nerd and be a doctor and like be a skateboarder at the same time. You yourself are not a monolith. You're not just a nerd. You're not just whatever you do for a living. You're not just a parent. You're all of these other things. And your audience is all of those other things as well. Madeline, Elsie, did I miss anything here? Yeah, I think you covered it. I mean, it's just a matter of, you know, being aware that when you're starting your podcast, you want to create an audience of somebody that you imagine as your ideal listener. But, you know, people like Janji has said, like a lot of different things, you may be drawing people that you don't even know who have an interest in exactly the same thing as you. So yeah, just keep that in mind. Talk to everyone in your audience. And, you know, it's really important to make them feel seen. Yes. Thank you. And that brings us to the issue of tokenism. So one thing that Um, we've seen happen or has happened to each of us, right, is someone will invite us to be on their show or guest posts on their blog or whatever the thing is. And 
you realize pretty quickly, oh, they're only doing this because I'm black or because I'm brown or because I'm a woman and not because they think that I have something of real value to offer to their audience and not because they have something of value to reciprocate to me and my audience. That would be tokenism. Um, Madeline, you had um, some great input on this when we were designing this workshop around um, the Crafting Niche podcast. Why don't you get into that for a second? Oh, yeah. So um, one of the things that we were discussing on a, on a random call and as part of, a, uh, I guess, a peer group support, uh, just talking about, you know, how to grow your audience by being on other people's audiences. Um, I don't want to like call out the specific person, but there was uh, somebody who made a great point that, you know, if their audience is specifically for, you know, black uh, identifying, um, you know, pod or a black identifying group of people, doesn't necessarily make sense that, you know, that person would go on a large name podcast because, you know, what that would do is it would help the larger podcaster diversify their uh, their group of guests that they've had on their podcast, but what is the exchange? Like what information is going to be delivered to that specific audience? So we want to think about how we can address uh, both both audiences and make sure that there's a great exchange between the two. So, you know, the win, I guess, would be having that smaller podcaster be on that larger podcast, but we also want to make sure that the audiences in both uh, podcasts uh circles get something out of that as well as being able to, you know, learn and grow from each, each group. Yes. Thank you. So that leads us to how to speak to an, an intersectional audience. So again, just because, so let's just take the, the nerd culture example again. Let's say you have a podcast. It's about Marvel comics. I don't know. Clearly I'm not in nerd culture. I apologize for anybody that is. I don't know. I'm just going to go with Marvel. Say you have a Marvel related podcast and you realize that maybe your audience and maybe your content is homogenous. It's it's not as inclusive as it could be. And so you want to learn how to speak to an intersectional audience. Madeline, Elsie, you both do this regularly. What have been the key tips for somebody that's getting started? Uh, yeah, uh, I'll take that. So if uh, if you're trying to speak to an intersectional audience, just recognize that the message is important in what you're trying to say, but also be aware of how you're saying it and the language that you're using to make sure that nobody feels like this is not for me. Again, like Tangia said earlier, visuals are important, but if your content is always addressing a certain type of person or a certain type of audience member, just be aware that there are other people in your audience that are not feeling seen. So do you know who's listening? It's kind of hard to get those stats, but it is important to understand that by having a larger variety of people, if you have an interview type show, you are helping to reach those audiences that are not often addressed on podcasts. And so I think it's really important to widen out your, your perspective. So for example, uh, when we have content on our website, womenofcolorpodcasters.co, we are definitely addressing a specific audience, but we make it uh, so that it's actually accessible for a larger audience to enjoy that content, to get something out of it. But that audience that we're really addressing is getting the benefit of having something that's created just for them. That's rarely uh, seen. So I think the whole point of it is to get the content out, let people share their own voices 
and amplify those voices so that other people can learn and gain insight from different communities, from people from different walks of life, from people with different perspectives. Exactly. And it pushes you when you're doing that to be a better teacher. So Elsie, if you want to quickly talk through how you learned this lesson. Yeah, back in the day when I was teaching yoga a lot, there's often times when you take the seat of the teacher where you have this amazing idea that you're going to be doing this one thing and they're going to really learn all this wonderful stuff. And oftentimes I taught level one classes and I would get people in that was like, one of them was recovering from breast cancer. I had another guy who blew out his uh, rotator cuff. I had another person who had like um, herniated discs in his lumbar spine and I could add on and on. So I had a room of like 20 to 30 people with all of these injuries going on in between. And I had to adjust my teaching to take care of everybody. And part of doing that is being able to understand how the universal teaching really gets to everybody. And at the same time, taking care of those people that have very specific needs. There were times that I I would adjust an entire class just to serve the person that was recovering from breast cancer. That didn't mean that everybody else didn't benefit from the teachings that I taught at that time or how to protect your shoulder would benefit everybody. So being a better teacher is always a wonderful thing to do, but that requires you to really step up and get your game on. (laughs) Yeah, it's tough. It's work, right? Tanchak, we are very nearly out of time. so. Just really quickly, if you're looking for guests or people to be on your podcast, whatever your format is, you have to step out of your comfort zone and you have to be reaching out to a more inclusive guest list or speaker list or however you do it all of the time. So you can crowdsource your audience. You can go to online groups and networks, the ones that you're not already in, right? So (laughs) if your audience isn't that inclusive, then you're probably not in the groups where that more inclusive audience is going to be. You got to go out and find them and invite them um, and make sure that's a reciprocal relationship. You got to, you want to look for different organizations and companies like lean on your local chambers of commerce. I live in Colorado, in Denver, and in Denver, there's like, I don't know, 20 different chambers of commerce here. There's the LGBTQ, the women's, the Latina, the Hispanic chamber, the black chamber, the black round hip, like there's a whole host of them. And they're great to start building relationships with and uh, start to draw some audience from potential speakers, all kinds of things you can do. Find organizations that are doing work with the organi- with the audience that you want to try to attract and learn about them. First and foremost, learn about them and talk to them and find out you know, what you can bring to the table with them. And they'll open the doors with you. They'll be willing to work with you, but it has to come from an authentic place. In doing this work, remember that you must infuse this into your practices. It's systemic. You have to constantly be reviewing what you're doing and evolving as you learn. That's what doing the work looks like. So you're researching, you're connecting, and you're building, and you do it over and over and over again. Infuse, review, and evolve. That's what it's going to take. This is a long game. Again, no boxes to be checked here. This is, we are a group of podcasters. So what are some podcasts that might be helpful to you right now in learning more? The 1619 Project, for sure. Um, Unlocking Us with, uh, this is Brene Brown's new podcast, an excellent episode with Austin Channing Brown. Um, Take a look at the slide. This is on the one-pager PDF that you can download as well. So these are all there. 
podcast specific resources to start to reach out to. So podcast in color. Um, this is the largest network of podcasters who are people of color created by Barry. Um, just go to the website. You'll see a huge, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not inventory. Uh, directory. Directory. Thank you. Yeah, directory. Directory. Yeah. <laughs> directory. Women of color podcasters. Of course, you can join the newsletter. You can engage. You can learn and um, grow from there. The Black Pod Collective. Um, they're doing excellent work. Latina podcasters doing excellent work. Asian American podcasters. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. NV1.org, the Native American Radio Network. There are more. There are definitely more. We just can't list them all. These are the ones that we're most familiar with. Um, in recap, you have to start now. Accept that challenge. You have to decide to do this. It's an intentional choice. You have to practice it, practice it, practice it. You got to do that work. You got to listen. You got to learn. And I think this is a great quote to round us out with. That The only way you're going to win the fight for equity is if we all speak up. And we all step up, even if it's hard, because it is. And even when we feel out of place, because we are. And it's, it is our place. It's our place. Justice counts for us all. So that's the founder of the Equity Project. If you can't access the, the downloadable PDF for some reason, shoot me an email to that's what she did podcast at gmail.com. If you have any additional questions or comments, you can email me as well. As an alternative, you can email um, Women of Color Podcasters Network, but send them to me first. I, I have a little more capacity. I'm, I'm happy to handle that. You can connect with us on all of the socials here. Um, you can join the um, Women of Color Podcasters newsletter as well. Again, this is on the downloadable, which should be available to you in the app by now. So you should be able to get it right there. And for some reason you can't, just email me. I will send it to you. Thank you. The end. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for that amazing presentation. I don't know if you could see the chat either in here or on Whova, but many, many times people were saying how needed it was and how helpful it was and just how grateful they are that you shared the information. So I just want to say thank you for doing that through our microcon. I really appreciate it. And thank, you been pleasure. Great. thank you. Thank you. Excellent presentation. Great presentation. Thank you so much for all the content. I'll uh, see if I can screenshot some of it. So um, do, if anyone has any specific questions, I'm monitoring both Whova and the Zoom chat. So if you have anything that you want them to take a look at, lots and lots of thank yous and clapping. That's nice. Mm -hmm. um, there was a question that I think you had, that you addressed. Well, there's two now. One, I often call out anti-blackness in the Latina community and Latin, in Latin America, in my content, how can I best continue to be an accomplice through my podcast, especially as a non-Black Latina? But I think you covered that at the end. This was before your last couple of slides. But if you have anything to add, go ahead. Um, I would just add, you know, it, it's something that's important that you always have to be putting out there and letting people know that it's, it's definitely not okay for anti-Black sentiment, comments, behavior, or what, whatever to happen around you. It's a lot of work. I get it. I do it all the time. Um, one thing I try to do on my podcast, I do an interview show. Um, so I try to be very intentional about prioritizing and amplifying Black voices and specifically bringing on people who are experts or well-versed in anti-Blackness work and having them just speak from their experience and their expertise. I think one of the most powerful things you can do is just create a space 
for somebody to tell their story. We, as humans, we connect really well with stories. So I say, continue what you're doing and try to infuse that as much as you can. Okay. Two more questions. How can Black women reach out to new audiences for more visibility? Do you have any tricks for that or advice? If you'd like to, you know, start, I would I recommend Women of Color Podcasters is a great place to start. There's a variety of people that are not only Black, but come from, you know, all different places, a lot of different stages of their podcast. It's a great way to network and meet other people from different countries. So, it, you know, it, that's a good starting point. There's a, a website, there's a Facebook group, Facebook page, and a membership. Uh, the membership is high value content, high, high value connections. You get to learn something every time we have accountability. Uh, We have a lot of different ways that you can meet people and get tips for reaching out to, you know, people from sponsors to conference organizers so that you can be able to be considered for speaking at these things and speaking, getting out there is a great way to meet other people. So definitely reach out and join a network, whether it's this one or others. Thank you. Yeah, that's really good advice. But also just finding a show that you want to be on and just asking them if you can be on it is usually good. I mean, I don't know if there's any nuance to that, but yeah, it does work, I think. So there's been a little bit of conversation in the chat here in Zoom about how there's a bit of frustration as to how many sessions there are like this, that this, but you know, this session and this microcon is really, I guess they're saying uh, there's limited supply of education on this. So The question is, what should we do when we're frustrated or feel unwelcomed, when we don't feel prioritized? We meaning not me, but (laughs) but women of color. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I think it's it's a tough one. You have to I think you really have to have people around you that you can vent with, that you can be honest with, um, that can help you process what you're feeling is one thing. I think you also need to be able to give yourself the space to step away from it for a little while and get a break from it. Because, I, you know, as a person of color, I feel like I'm constantly being um, yeah. bombarded with this topic. It, like, I can't, I can't ever just like be a person living my life. People stop me at the grocery store and want to have conversations about race. With Oy vey. <laughs> it's, it's insane. Um, so there's, there's that taking care of yourself. There's having the right people around you. But if we're talking like industry specific, like, what do we do? <laughs> so like, let's just say someone is, you know, frustrated that this particular conference and I, you know, and I'm, and I may not have a, enough education about diversity in podcasting. What should they do about it? Should they boycott? Should they tell the organizers? Should they just say so in the chat? Should they never come again? Like mm-hmm. if they don't feel as, you know, as Lee put it, unwelcome or if they feel unwelcome and not prioritized. Yeah, I think if it feels worth it to you to want to continue to engage with this community, you have, you absolutely should have an expectation to be seen and heard. I think that some action, any action is better than zero action. The action that is meaningful to you is the one that you should take. For me, the action that's meaningful to me is to do this right? To have a workshop like this. It's to communicate with the organizers and say to them, I don't think this is inclusive enough. I think that more can be done here. And to trying to have that conversation all of the time. That's what's meaningful to me. If it is meaningful for you to boycott or protest or whatever, then that's what you should do. You don't need to take cues from the way that we're doing it. There are all different paths. 
and yeah. you choose the path that's good for you, I think. Very good Something advice. Something to kind of offer uh, from my perspective as well with that, um, the example that I had with when I was essentially called out that I was leading with something that I had that was never really imprinted in my presence before. And it really made me have to look about the language and my behavior and what I did. And of course, my first reaction was like, of course, I'm doing these things. How dare you? Because we get defensive. That's a really hard thing to get over. But being able to be addressed in a kind way by somebody who cared about me, which is what Tanjia mentioned, made me have to look very hard at what the choices I was making. And then she was very clear when she said to me, it's because you haven't mentioned this before. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that. She gave me something very specific for me to look at and then go, well, obviously in 2017, this was not something I was doing. I must change this because I'm whatever my desire is, isn't getting across. So maybe the desire is there for some, uh, you know, events to be inclusive, but the only thing they know how to do is like, we need to have, it's like the tokenism thing possibly without really seeing like, what does that look like? What do people of color want for content? Well, there's actually a question is like, firstly, do they want women of color over black? Is black a taboo thing to say? There's a question that says that some people get the sense that that's a taboo term. I'm pretty sure it's not. I'm pretty sure it's not. (laughs) I think that maybe, uh, you know what it is? I, I think people, I, at least I, I know that if I was doing something for black women, I would write black women. But then that obviously that's not my, like, that's not my audience. That's not my, the title for my stuff. I don't think that that's a, an issue. I think I maybe. I think women of color just includes more people. It's not yeah, that black yeah. is taboo. Right. It's just yeah. that not all brown people are black. Right. I think. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's where the term um, BIPOC comes from black indigenous people of color, because when you are saying people of color or women of color, it's, it specifically means not black people. And so that's why this, yeah, that's why there's this more inclusive term, black indigenous people of color. We tend to use it as like a generalization of like more people. But if you mean black people, then you should say Say black black people. people. Yeah. Just like people who are black know that they're black. Like they're not hiding it. It's yeah. But I thought black. women of color included black people of color includes black. It it, it I mean, it's, it's an umbrella term, right? And right. When there's an umbrella term, there's a danger of certain communities within that umbrella term still getting pushed to the bottom and still made invisible. So I think there is an issue when you, when you say women of color, when you really mean black, Oh, well, that's are definitely being, you know, made more visible and the black and indigenous women people, or people yes. are still not being elevated. Yeah. So if you mean like, black, say black. If you mean yeah. all the colors, then use women of color, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so there's two questions. I mean, I know we're running a little bit short, but um, two questions. One, how do I, as a black podcast host, discuss black issues without alienating my non-black audience? And then the other one is about as a white person who wants to work with black women and women of color, how does she approach groups without making them feel tokenized? Can I address the black question real quick? Sure. Um, I know this doesn't, isn't very specific in terms of race, but when I was talking about teaching specific people when I was at the yoga classes that had very specific injuries with their bodies, first I was challenged in like what I'm going to alienate the entire class here. If I'm teaching to somebody who's in pain first, I thought, and then I realized I need to address 
what has the biggest meaning to me and what matters and is the most important to me. And in doing and being that specific at taking care of that uh, issue in that class, I was able to then serve everybody. Um, If you are black and you want to have these black conversations, uh, my feeling is I, as a white presenting person, would want to know about this. And it matters to me because it is important. If it alienates somebody, then they're not your audience. I had people walk out of my class when I was teaching a very specific class, but the people who cared about their bodies and, and not injuring themselves and taking care of the person who was in pain stayed and they learned so much more. If, you're not, if you just want to work out, then get out. That's not what I'm doing. So it's your show. Don't worry hey, about alienating anybody. You do you and they'll stay and they'll be loyal. I, I can see that for sure. Um, what about white women who want to work with uh, black women and, and people of color, but are, I guess, for be- lack of a better term, afraid to ask, afraid that they'll feel the person is trying to check? Like, how do you, I guess, approach the um, WOC podcasters or the Black Pod Collective without seeming like you are ticking a box? How, is there a special, like, I guess they want some kind of like script? I don't know. So there isn't uh, a script, right? Again, I can't get, we can't give you a checklist to follow so that you can get it right. You're going to mess it up. So just accept that right out of the gate that you're going to make some mistakes (laughs) and somebody might be comfortable with apologies. And it's fine. You learn, you move on and you're not going to get everything done like immediately. Right. Like the goal is not to all of a sudden have nothing, but, (laughs) you know, but uh, BIPOC if that's not the, you know, the type of podcast that you have. But what we want is uh, just an integration. R- recognize that we're podcasters, right? You just want to have a wider variety of podcasters. We can speak on several different topics, not just being a BIPOC or, you know, just talking about different issues. But, you know, if you want to plan that in your strategy, um, be able to demonstrate how your podcast is going to help your intended guest podcast audience. So if you want to have a Black podcaster on your show, what is their audience? How are you reaching them? Like just be aware of a step beyond of how you're um, benefiting their audiences as well as they're benefiting you and your audiences. That makes sense. Yes, it does. Thank Interestingly, you Jess, I think that Callie is going to have an entire <laughs> session just to answer that one That's question. actually true. Her whole session, the next session coming up is about how to anti, how to diversify your, your guests on your podcast. So before exactly. we get to Callie, though, there's one other question I don't know that I've asked, and it is, is it worth the time and effort to um, correct? Is it worth it to convince people who are committing microaggressions and more subtle racism as opposed to just not dealing with them? Well, I think we might all have different opinions on this. I mean, I, yeah, that depends on how confrontational you are and how much yeah, time you have that day, right? Like, exactly how you feel that day. I, you know, <laughs> for me, I think that you can't convince anything of anyone of can't convince anyone of anything. That, that people have to learn and evolve in their own time, and maybe potentially by engaging with you and you saying what you believe, they might take that into consideration at some point, but. I, I personally feel like you're not, we're not here to convince any, anyone of anything. Like they can come to the table and they can listen and they can do what they want with that information, but what they do with it is their choice and theirs alone. Theirs alone. So I'm personally in a place now where I, I don't argue with, with people about race anymore. Like if I hear people in my community 
saying racist things, I will in a heartbeat call them out. But if I'm engaging with the larger population, I just... I just don't. Yeah. It's not worth it to me. When I was a kid in Jewish youth group, we had a speaker um, that told us that when you hear someone tell a Jewish joke or say something derogatory about Jewish people, that in our culture, you know, we value education above all else. So it's almost your responsibility as a Jewish person to sort of educate the person as to why either the joke isn't funny or where that stigma came from or where the stereotype was from. So if you can approach it as, I mean, I'd like to educate you if you're interested in learning why this might be offensive to people is a lot different than way to be white privileged, you blank, you know? So, I mean, if you could approach it as I'm happy to educate you on why this isn't really the best thing you should be saying, that usually tends to work more because you're not convincing people. You're asking people if they would like to be educated. People are much more willing to be educated than they are convinced. And some people are just not... They're, some people they're, are right. Yeah, some right. people they're are some people are not gonna to do it. Right. But I'm. I would encourage you to 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 speak. You know, to to speak truth to power. You know, people may not want to hear you, but they will listen if you tell them. You know, and I wasn't meaning to say it's your responsibility. I'm just saying the idea. You know, it made me feel so much better. The idea that I could educate people and to stop being jerks felt more empowering than not knowing what to do or arguing or being hurt. Whatever. All right. So people have been asking about the PDF. The PDF is now uploaded to Whova. So your present. So thank you for that, ladies, for your presentation. It was a beautiful presentation, by the way. Very nicely done and colorful, put together. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so thank you for that. Does anyone else have any questions that I might have missed? Okay, I think we're good on questions. Thank you so much. And Callie was very gracious in allowing us a little extra time. Uh, thank, so you, Callie. Thank, thank you, Callie. Thank you. Thank you so much, <laughs> thank Callie. You guys. Yes. Thank you, oh, everyone. Just download the PDF. You. you can. You, we're open for questions and engagement. Sure. So thank you for attending. We appreciate you so much and enjoy the rest of the conference. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, ladies, so much. Reach out to us for sure. Just yeah. in the Whova app. If you have any specific questions, any desires, we will voice it. I personally will speak it. Speak it out to anybody who will hear. <laughs> so please. And I'm going to go away now. Okay. Because Callie. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Madeline and Tia. Yay. Bye, guys. <laughs>